Hello, I'm Michael Guyman, President and CEO of the Tucson Metro Chamber. For more than 125 years, the Tucson Metro Chamber has been the voice of business. This year, the Chamber is focused on showcasing candidates that not only understand the needs of business, but will also work to introduce and support legislation and policies that address and solve challenges businesses face. The Chamber's Candidate Evaluation Committee interviewed Arizona state legislative candidates on their thoughts and perspectives on issues important to the chamber membership and creating a pro-business environment. Our candidate evaluation committee, made up of business owners, executives, major employers, and community partners, crafted five questions focusing on key business issues. We invite you to visit our candidate evaluation page on our website at tucsonchamber.org. Review the scorecard, listen to the interviews, read the questionnaires submitted by many of the candidates, and share with your colleagues and your neighbors who you think will support a pro-business environment as an Arizona state legislator. On this episode, our Candidate Evaluation Committee interviews Sanda Clark, a Democrat running for the Arizona House of Representatives in Legislative District 19. Uh, the first question I've got is, uh, can you briefly describe your educational or professional background and how uh, those have prepared you to serve as an elected official? Sure. So I was born in Romania and um, for a while my family fl fled the communist regime there and uh, through a reunification program. So I moved to Israel for a brief time and then I came to the University of Texas at Austin. I got my first degree in Jerusalem and my master's degree from the University of Texas at Austin, where I met my husband, a cellist, playwright, Harry Clark. I've spent my entire life as a pianist, playing concerts and teaching. I taught at the university in Middletown, Connecticut at Wesleyan University for over 25 years. I also taught privately. We created a chamber music society that presented concerts in both Hartford, Connecticut and in uh, Tucson at the, the uh, Burger Performing Arts Center for a while and also in uh, Scottsdale. So um, uh, how this prepared me to run for office? Well, first of all, let me tell you that I never thought I'd run for office. Never. That was never my plan. Um, but um, given the direction that we are headed towards in, uh, in uh, this country, and after the redistricting um, that took place last time uh, in Arizona, uh, our district that I'm hoping to represent in Phoenix next, next year uh, is a very, um, it's designed so a Republican will hold on to offices and uh, parts of my district haven't had democratic representation for over 20 years. Um, as a person growing up in communist Romania, where there was only one uh, party that represented, I believe that it's really important to have multiple parties competing for uh, the voter voters um, vote. Uh, and so I believe that one party is really the wrong way to be because uh, you have no competition. As business people, you probably will understand that competition, that's what makes us strive and, and brilliant. 
So I could not take the idea that there was no Democrat running for office because this was a steep climb uh, and it was an impossible race to just stay out of it. I, I really think that is appalling. So that's why I decided to run. So now how my background prepared me for being a politician? Well, I'll tell you, as a musician, I spent my entire life as an independent contractor. So uh, coming from uh, immigrant family, I have no trust fund uh, to support me. So we had to be very creative. Being a musician, practicing the art of chamber music, it's nothing worse than except being a violist, which they, is probably the worst uh, uh, profession to be in, they say, um, because um, chamber music is often associated with elitism, uh, highly educated people and the rest of it. Um, but um, I'm proud to say that um, I, because of what this country has given me, the opportunity that are available to us, uh, we were able to support ourselves and make a decent, wonderful life in America that I never, my parents never enjoyed having. And I don't think it would be possible to do anywhere else. And um, it prepared us, prepared us to be perseverant, um, take um, very diligent, hard workers, creative. Um, and uh, so um, as a pianist, you know, I spent most of my life practicing the piano and our desire was always to be the best that we can be. And with those qualities, I really feel that I'll be an excellent candidate to, to uh, assume office because I am perseverant. I understand what it's like to negotiate in a team situation as chamber music is never alone. It's not a glorifying kind of position. You always have to gain consensus with your team members. If you're in a piano trio or a piano quartet or that sort of thing. I also created arts and education programs that were uh, unique as uh, at the time in Connecticut, the emphasis of um, um, curriculum uh, testing was very, very prevalent. And so I created for grades one through five that integrated um, music and the core curriculum. And it was extremely successful. I raised every year $250,000 and that's back a few years, which was quite a lot of money and went exclusively to inner city schools in Hartford. So um, I think I'm a good person to be because I'm, I, I, first of all, I'll tell you what my best qualities are. I am the determined person. I persevere. I'm unafraid of difficulties. I'm unafraid to, to have an open mind, consult with other people and come to a consensus for the greater good. I think all, all these are qualities that are necessary to become a good person working for the people. So these are my qualifications. Thank you very much, Sandra. I've got four more questions and we've got about, uh, uh, about 15 minutes left. Uh, so the second one I've got is, uh, can you talk about a time where you had to build consensus around an issue? What type of leadership style did you use in that situation? So, uh, well, every time you play a piece of music with three other people who are all different and might, might have very strong opinions of how a phrase of music must go, you have to negotiate your point of view, why your point of view is the better one. Um, at the same time, you can't really 
infuse your personality into the process because it's not a personal thing. Uh, it's it's um, trying to create the best possible outcome. So um, I have um, argued my best thing for building consensus was to convince the um, Tucson um, Council um, uh, that it is important to support an, a resolution for medical aid in dying. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about having control at the very end of life. I know most people refer to it as assisted suicide, which is a term that I really am very opposed to because nobody wants to die. None of these people who are seeking help to terminate their suffering wants to die. They all want to live, but the existence at the end of life, which is very costly, it's very painful for the person dying as well as for the family watching them die. So I was able to get the Tucson Mayor City and Council to adopt the resolution in support of this concept. And I'm hoping that maybe one day we'll have that law in Arizona as this passed in so many states. So um, yeah, it's, it's trying to, I, I'll say that this is probably building most consensus that, that that I've ever done was to pass the resolution in Tucson, which was the second city in Arizona to adopt such a resolution. Great, thank you, Bert. That's a good, great example. Thank you very much. Did, can you describe your vision for Arizona and the office you're running for? Oh, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't believe that one person uh, can, can adopt a vision for, for, a, for a state or for a city. But I think collectively, we can try and do better. I mean, Arizona is at a real crossroads at the moment, just thinking about the water situation in our state. There's not a single person that will not tell you that uh, the amount of water that's left for us to keep pumping out is, is very, very small, and it will not last forever. What people, I think, uh, don't understand is that water is not an infinite commodity. It's a pressure source that sustains life, but it's a finite commodity. Once the aquifers run dry, it will take hundreds of years to rebuild back. And without water, we cannot inhabit, we cannot live. As a matter of fact, when somebody, you know, they, we are talking about death and dying, if a person wants to die, they have to stop drinking and eating. If you, continue to drink, but stop eating, that will not occur. But if you stop drinking, it definitely will. And so uh, water is a very important commodity and we need to really address this issue with courageous steps. Um, I am running as a clean candidate, so I have no commitments or debts or gifts to anybody but the constituents of my district that I'm going to represent. and. Uh, rural Arizona has been long since overlooked in terms of needs and uh, support. So um, I know that agriculture is important because look what's happening to the food chain. It's every day you go to the supermarket and things are climbing up in prices because uh, shortages. And now with Ukraine, what's happening there, not having their um, crops come out to the world, it's a, it's a real tough situation. So there are lots of things that, what I see for Arizona is a kinder, gentler state in which decency returns to the town 
uh, square. I think that's what is really missing for a while, not just in Arizona, but throughout the world. We have become enslaved to profits. While I love profits, I, I don't think that anybody, anybody that invests into anything doesn't is not entitled to make a profit, but you can't just make it your number one or your only priority. I really believe that we need to address our the needs of the people that live here uh, and, and include them on the list of important issues that we con are concerned about. Uh, profits are one thing, people are number one because without people you can't have profits. People are the workers, that's what makes uh, our economy survive. It's consumers, it's those who create the goods and um, then those who enjoy the, the fruits of their work. So um, that's what I'm hoping to bring to the legislature, a, a return to decency, compassion, and um, honesty. I mean, I really think that it's time to look at how we budget for our state and stop those maneuvers, you know, that makes you think that you get one thing and you get another. Uh, so honestly, decency and compassion are going to be some of the things that I'm hoping to bring to the discussions in the legislature. Thank you very much. The, the next question I've got is, um, what are the top three issues important to business that the legislature can help to address and solve? Well, so I think a well-educated uh, workforce is very important for the business community because there are lots of jobs that can be filled because you don't have the qualified um, people to fill them. That's one, number one. Number two is a livable Arizona. If we, if we don't address the issues of climate change that will enable us to survive, I mean, in Graham and Greenlee counties are determined that in 20 years they're going to be unsustainable, unlivable. That is something that should worry the business community. Um, so uh, I think investing in education is the primary obsession with me because I believe in public education. Tremendously. My husband is a Tucson boy. He grew up in Tucson and he's the direct result of what a good public education provided uh, him. He is who he is. He's a cellist playwright because at Duffy Elementary, they brought musicians to come and play for the kids different instruments and he fell in love with the cello and he became a cellist. Uh, so I am a huge supporter of public education. And I'm a huge supporter of technical and uh, 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 schools and um, technical colleges and aptitude-based incubators. In other words, there are some kids who might not be interested in the arts, but they're brilliant in computers and they're interested in learning how to program. There is no reason why they should have to go and take art classes or did something that doesn't interest them and they lose interest in studying, period. So, um, a, a good educated force, a livable community, uh, I think are key ingredients that would improve businesses for Arizona and would want to businesses would want to come here. If you've got good educations, that's important for businesses looking to relocate. Great, thank you very much, Sandra. My final question is, how would you ensure that the needs and wants of the business community in Southern Arizona are recognized and heard at the state capitol? 
how do I insure? Well, I would insure it by making a, an appealing uh, area to invest in, in other words, to relocate here. I, I'm all for offering um, economic incentives for people to come and bring their business to Arizona. But I would want in return a commitment for them to staying in the area for a certain period of time. In other words, I don't just want giveaways, I want to give incentives. So there's a big difference between giveaways and incentives. So I believe in incentives, not giveaways. Thank you. I've got um, uh, just uh, one minute left uh, here to uh, open it up to the rest of the committee for any open questions. Uh, go ahead and take yourself off mute and ask your question. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jean. Good morning, Sandra. Thank you uh, for being here. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on uh, infrastructure and what we need to do to um, improve our infrastructure issues in Arizona? Well, so one thing on the roads, I can tell you that the roads in Arizona are in some places are really nothing to brag about. Second of all, I think it's housing. Housings are getting to be out of whack. Uh, most people can't afford to live there anymore. Uh, I mean, I could never buy a house in Tucson any longer. I was able to buy several houses before, and but not even a house that rents. Let's talk about rent. Let's say somebody is willing to rent as opposed to own immediately. That's that's crazy. So I would think decent. Um, decent housing, affordable housing, good housing, safe neighborhoods, that's very important, good schools, and um, then, of course, you need to address climate change, because if the, the place is not inhabitable, there's nothing to talk about. Thank you. We have a chance for one more quick question, if we've got one. Anyone have another question? Go ahead, Natalie. I have a question, and um, Sandra, San, yes, Sandra, thank Sandra. you for being here, Sandy. Um, I, my question is, you just mentioned safety, and I think that's, mm -hmm. a, as a business owner, a really important component to running a business, and I've had a lot of friends in our community here in Tucson that have struggled with safety issues, homelessness, yes. drugs, really surrounding their companies where they're having to determine to relocate, how, how to address it, and they're not seeing the proper uh, reinforcement from our public safety officers because, because we're short there. So I, I think that's really important as a business owner to know that we're safe and we're in a good area and we can bring other people and consumers into those areas. What are your thoughts on the public safety and providing those safe environments for business. Right, so I couldn't agree with you more. I think homelessness is a terrible issue. I think it's terrible, not just in terms of safety, but in terms of human decency. I don't think in a country as rich as we are in America, uh, Arizona included, we should have this issue. Um, I know that in Utah, a while back, they solved a lot of the homelessness issues and so we need to address this very seriously. I don't know, I know that they're looking at the moment of tiny homes for, for people who, are, uh, who don't have housing. 
Um, I think that it is scary to us, to tell you quite honestly, you go into some stores and there are lots of pen handlers and that sort of thing. So what do we do with that? We can't just, what are we going to send them? See, what I don't understand is you, we don't want to see them, right? So you remove them from parks, you put them in out of sight, is out of mind, but it really isn't because you go, uh, you drive around and at the corners you have people that say, hungry, help me eat. And so I think a lot of those issues about the homelessness is, has to address their mental illness. Many of them are vets who live under bridges. That's indecent for a society for whom these people have sacrificed so much. So we really need to take care of one another and we need to create some very low housing or subsidized housing. We also need to address their mental health issues that uh, for, because some people, I know I, I volunteered at the Z mansion where a lot of people come on weekends, they come for medical assistance, but also come to get a meal and to get clothes. So a lot of them do not want to go to shelters. Why do they don't want to go to shelters? Well, because they're not safe either, but also many of them do not take pets. And for some of these people, their pets are their only family. They're the only thing that provides them with unconditional love. And so, that's a very complicated issue. So, but I think it's a very important issue to address because for some people you say you are a business, so you have got concerns about this uh, safety. I will tell you that as a resident, I have concerns about safe, safety too. I'm afraid to walk at night by myself and that shouldn't be happening in our country. So um, I think Part of the reason is that we really don't want to look at those issues much. We want to create more shelters and we want to put band-aid uh, solutions on the table when we really need to address the, the core issue of why people become homeless and what do we do, what do we do with this issue and really get serious about it, create opportunities for people where they can have a decent roof over their heads if that means subsidizing providing that they continue, if they have got a drug addiction, that they seek treatment and stay in treatment. Part of the reason is that they go for treatments and then they feel a little bit better, they, they leave. And so I don't really know that there is a simple answer to it, except that we as a decent society have to look at people who have got no shelter, not as something that is it's a reject or a piece of garbage you don't want to see. They are people and they've got souls and they all have a story. What they, they are, what they are. I remember a long time ago, there was a 60 minutes program about if people becoming- And if I could break in, I apologize, but we are actually out of time right now. Okay. Well, well thank you very much for, for being here, for, uh, for the opportunity to meet all of you. And I appreciate you doing that. It's very important. Thank yes. you. Thank you very much for uh, for wanting for wanting to loving and wanting to serve our community and for uh, for running. We appreciate it. Well, I love this country. What it's done for me, that's the very least that I can do. Yes. Make sure that our democracy stays with the same values that met me when I first came here. I'm a very grateful American. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye bye. You too. Bye.